Many of our campaigns focus on, of course, facing the brand color and bright color, bright pattern, very bright visuals. I have a background in agency work, freelancing projects, and even working for a small ESP startup. Well, I find a lot of value in scrolling through our TikTok comments. The metrics that I find myself coming back to are often things like repeat customer rate. This is The Retention Road, a podcast that uncovers actionable retention strategies for your D2C brand. Deb interviews the top in-house retention marketers to help you increase repeat purchase rate, drive customer loyalty, and build community. Enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Retention Road podcast. Today, I'm joined with Carolina Bushman, the Retention Marketing Manager at Baboon to the Moon, one of my favorite brands and one of the best duffel bag brands, among other products. Right, Carolina, welcome to the show. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, I, I I love everything about Baboon to the Moon. I have seen your work, I mean, of course, through emails <laughs> and uh, through different uh, channels. But I, I would love to love to have our audience know a little bit about you. Could you, yeah, in like absolutely. two minutes, talk, talk, <laughs> me about your, talk me about your career, whatever you want to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first, always love to see a Baboon fan in the wild. I think we're often known for our TikTok as well, which I'm personally a big fan of. And so we get a lot of folks coming from there. Um, but yeah, I'm Carolina, the retention marketer there currently. I have a background in agency work, freelancing projects, and even working for a small ESP startup. So I've been really in every part of the e-commerce store marketing sphere that you can be. And now my world is mostly email, SMS, and retention, which means things like loyalty and community building as well. And who knows, maybe some other really cool channels in the future. Uh, but generally, I'm in Clavio or other like email and SMS platforms, drafting and helping create with our creative team. And I have a lot of joy in sending messages and getting to connect with our audience that way. And I do read a lot of our responses, <laughs> all the ones that come through, and really enjoy getting to hear directly from our audience as well. I mean, just from the sound of your voice, uh, you you love working there, which is which is which we all want. We we want a job we really really love, and uh, I I understand. I I, I think uh, we you know when I launched Swipe Files at Wonderman, Baboon's uh, emails were you know one of the emails that we launched with. Right. They were like beautiful design, very simple, not very flashy, but very simple, very thoughtful designs, uh, which which I really, really loved. Awesome. So before before we get into it, I, I want to talk talk to you about something that I noticed on your about page, which is your precious dog. <laughs> could you could you tell me a little bit about them? So Absolutely. Penny is my chihuahua. She is the light of my life. I have photos of her all around my office and everywhere Amazing. in my home. She's a little rescue, and um, I'm. I wish I could write emails for and from her because I just want everyone to know her. She's. Hilarious. You should probably. You should probably do that. You know, you could just create a whole brand around her. That'd be probably I, I coming think soon be... to Substack. <laughs> fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So let's let's get into retention. Okay, my my first question is a very very simple, very cliche question. If I if I were to ask you, hey, Carolina, what were what is Baboon's overarching retention strategy? What would mm -hmm. you what would you answer? I would say that we are focused on a customer journey that 
answers all the questions that someone has, that sends them the right memes, the right TikToks, and that gives people the information they want without ever over-messaging. I'm very cautious to not oversend, especially things like SMS, where I really feel that's a valued space that folks don't want too cluttered. And so by reading or clicking on and engaging with our messages, that tells me that they want that and that people are excited to receive content from us, which means that our strategy is working and we want it to feel as genuine and personal as possible because I feel very privileged to be in someone's inbox and be uh, have content that's then clicked on or responded to and, and followed up with. So really focusing on content that hits at the right time and is more focused on quality over frequency or quantity. Um, and that again is answering the questions that people want to hear, not only the things we're excited to tell. We're always working on new things like artist collaborations or new color launches or even new bag styles, which we've had quite a few of recently. And those are so exciting. And of course, I want to talk about them, but people also want to know about the cities that we're, we're basing things out of, these are stories we're coming from, or the difference in two colors, or why our design director was so good at this TikTok challenge. And so answering those questions as well as telling the stories that I want to tell is really critical to our strategy, feeling consistent, feeling personal. And I think and making our engagement window for email and SMS users much longer than what I'd seen typically in the past. Okay, okay, that's a, that's a lot to unpack and I'm sure uh, <laughs> we, are, we, are, we are gonna hit on some of the very crucial points. One thing, one thing I would love to talk about is, you know, when it comes to retention, we think about you know, sending them discount codes, right? Sending, mm -hmm. them, sending them some kind of an offer, but what, what you just said was basically just you know, connecting with customers, right? If, if, if I were to summarize it in a phrase or a sentence, it's just knowing, getting to know the customers more and they introvert by buying more stuff, right? We all want that, right? No, no matter how mm -hmm. beautiful and amazing the brands are and designs, it's it's all about it's eventually it's about revenue. So how how does that play into it? Can you dig a little deeper into how does that knowing the customer play into retention? Absolutely, absolutely. Some of that comes from testing. So some of that data, it's it's a mix of data from different sources, right? Which some of A B testing, things like send time, things like content type, even just subject lines, right? Which is a pretty simple test that you could be doing all the time on things like flows or journeys. It also is things that are self-reported. So for example, having a really easily accessible preferences option in the bottom of every single email is really important. It's something that I often see overlooked as well as an easy one click on subscribe, but that's another story. But having preferences that are varied and aren't just defaults, but allow for people to choose things like frequency or the type of content they're getting also allows for self-reporting. So one, those people are happy and staying in your list, but also so that I can then look and say, most people want to hear everything they can. Great. Or, hey, I'm seeing a larger chunk of people shift to a lower cadence. Maybe I need to change my strategy. And so there are a lot of ways to learn very technical data that we can then apply and put into spreadsheets and make decisions about. There's also more qualitative information. Like, for example, I find a lot of value in scrolling through our TikTok comments because people are really engaging or Instagram comments where we're both very active. Though those aren't channels that I'm managing day to day, you won't see me on the TikTok very often, for example, I think the people are still likely in our email or in our SMS audiences and are asking those same questions. So if someone says, why is this bag so big? Great, that means that in my welcome flow, I need to explain what is this many liters? And maybe that's how many avocados can I put in this bag? 
which is still a pretty silly on-brand unit of measurement, but I want to make sure that I'm reaching out and creating uh, content that people engage with, even if they're not directly telling me that via an email. That is uh, that is very in-depth and very interesting. Thanks for being so precise. I'll, I'll, I'll hit on one more point uh, because I, I want to dive a little bit deeper into that. TikTok comments, right? Sure. I mean, it's a very big, very deep black hole because there are like comments which are like, oh, you shouldn't exist. And there are comments like, your bag you know, made my day. I, I love this. Uh, my friend loved it. I mean, I actually have gone through some of the TikTok comments. So these are legit, right? These are real yep. comments that I've seen. <laughs> yeah. And do you somehow map back the comments into your customer profiles and that eventually enhance the retention? Is there a way to do that? Do you do it? That's an incredible question. I do not do that directly one-to-one per customer just for anonymity yeah. reasons, but it would be fascinating if that were possible. And who knows, as GA4 rolls out later this year, maybe there will be a lot more data that we can add back to customer profiles to then match their content interests. So potentially one day, not currently, but den- definitely in terms of general kind of consensus or where I see the bulk of comments or questions leading. Right. Um, and also feedback from the rest of our brand team on what they're seeing and hearing as well out and about and what we're getting tagged in, things like that. Um, so it's definitely more qualitative in that way, but I would love to see that change potentially in the future. And again, GA4 is like a, a whole new world also for attribution yeah. and, and that does yeah. carry across to retention channels as well. So who knows? That 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 is interesting. I'm also very optimistic about GA4, but I I just wish they made the platform a little bit easier to use. But yes, otherwise it's great. Okay, so diving a little deeper into customer feedback, right? So you have you have customer feedback coming from multiple places, right? You have customer feedback coming from TikTok comments, your other channels, maybe email replies, SMS replies, and I, I'm guessing you're you're also into wholesale and retail stores, right? Yeah, so. How do you accumulate all that feedback into one place and then actually funnel it into your retention strategy? That's an incredible question. And I apologize. Penny clearly has some things she wants to say as well over here Um, and has some thoughts about that. I'm very sorry for any barking here in the background. That's a great question. So I'm actually an avid Notion user personally. I'm just a a fan of its organization system, which I'm pretty manual. Um, In addition, there are... I am so sorry. Uh, reports in Clavio that I wanted to create based on click activity. Yeah, please continue. <laughs> so sorry about that. But yes, I maintain a database in Notion where I'm able to track things like customer sentiment comments. And also, of course, again, we can tag those kinds of link activities I was mentioning. So for example, if we have a campaign that says there are three, let's say we have a fun campaign with three different options, which I actually just recently sent two weeks ago for this exact reason, for customer self-reporting, being able to pull that data and see 5,000 recipients, maybe 25% clicked option A, 50% option B, and again, 25 option C. Some people will click all to say what's behind all these doors, but of course we can see unique versus total clicks. So even getting uh, self-reported data that way helps make that a little bit more quantitative, keeps that a little bit more tactical. And so we can confirm like, not only are these qualitative trends I'm seeing, but this data backs up that people had this sentiment or did see this or were most excited about this color, things like that as well. Can you actually share one example of that? Like, do you have a live example that has gone out if you would like to share? 
Yeah, absolutely. So this is a, a tactic I've tried a couple of times in the past in, in different settings and kind of different content types. But one recently was actually a, a sentiment test, like I mentioned, to see how people felt about something that was specifically about receiving mail. Um, we're testing different channels all the time, right, to see where people are wanting to meet them where they're at. Um, and one of those is something that feels not so new, but it's kind of old and really coming back, and that's direct mail. I'm sure in Q4 of last year, you yep. received a ton of holiday catalogs. It's definitely kind of a regrowing part of what we're seeing in the D2C industry. So I wanted to know, and in these constant tests of direct mail, how are people feeling about that? And how does that connect back to our digital channels? So for example, I sent an email asking people for their feedback, and that feedback was provided by giving me a click action. As I mentioned, some people want to click everything, and that's fine because all the links were kind of really fun. I would say more of an Easter egg than anything. The link click itself told me everything I needed to know. So then I wanted to give them a hilarious reel or a funny TikTok, or even for some people, an option to reach out to our CX team if they had a question or a comment or a piece of feedback. And then, of course, they're able to, to reach out to us one-on-one -on -one in that way. But that was really interesting to learn about. Thankfully, a lot of people loved the postcard, which is great to see, but who knows? And that's also a way to learn where people want to engage with us on social, for example, in our welcome series or in post-purchase flows. And I recommend that all brands do this, but cross-populating your other channels from your email is, is, of course, the greatest tactic. Maybe someone signed up for your newsletter, for example, for a brand that may have a, a giveaway or percent off in their pop-up, but where they really spend most of their time may not be their email inbox and probably isn't. Maybe right. it's TikTok, maybe it's Instagram, maybe it's Twitter. So offering those links side by side as well. Though, so of course, you want everyone to subscribe to everything. People are going to click on where they are. So that's another helpful way that you can find out what your audience wants, where they're consuming content, and where you can reach them again. Okay. Okay. That that makes a ton of sense. So I, I, I get the fact that you have asked about the sentiment, what they feel about direct mail. But after you after you gather the data, the link clicks, you, you, you have some idea. Okay. This is... They love it. How does the data tie back to revenue or repeating customers? Yeah, that's an incredible question. For direct mail specifically, that one's a that one was a really interesting learning experience because I right. learned that what I thought was a really cool piece of creative ended up being much nearer the middle of the funnel than the end of the funnel, which is where I envisioned it. So that in of itself was really interesting when people maybe liked it, but it didn't impact their behavior in the way that I hoped it would. So then that then shifts. I realized that though attribution is a little bit tricky across these channels anyway, I needed to shift how I was thinking about that channel specifically in my retention strategy and then shift the audience to whom I'm speaking. So though I maybe have maybe wanting people, of course, to take action immediately as soon as they receive a piece of content. Um, if they're not, then it makes less sense to send to my already very bottom funnel audience who will convert anyway, and instead use that budget on a more mid funnel audience, which is where I found out falling anyway, who may be less likely to convert or maybe need that touch point more. I find that budget's likely to go farther there with still a pretty significant return. So kind of more detailed here, but in testing various audiences that look to be true as well across audience testing, but then being able to go back and ask people specifically kind of how did this impact your purchase, if, if at all, was definitely another way to confirm what, what I found in my data. Great, great, you know, explanation on that. that. That is amazing. Switching gears a little bit. So we all know email is a 
biggest retention channel, right? It's probably every brand is obsessed with email. You you love Clavio. We all love Clavio. Can you share one particular piece of campaign that you have retention campaign that you have sent out, which performed like miraculously, you know, as and it, it was it was completely different from what you expected and different from the standard campaigns that you have sent previously. Yes, uh, absolutely. And I, I would love to see that email if possible. Okay, absolutely. Yes, I can definitely share that email with you. I'll be able to share that campaign. And this may be a surprise, may not, but many of our campaigns focus on, of course, if you've seen the brand color and bright color, bright pattern, very bright visuals, or very compelling visuals. I think we're like a very visually strong brand. However, our campaigns that, let's say, through I'll call out in particular around Black Friday. The campaigns that performed phenomenally were those that cut through the noise, not by looking the biggest and best necessarily, but actually our simpler plain text campaigns. Those that came from the brand and looked uh, a little different than what maybe most other brands were sending during that day with like bright, big, you know, large percent sale off. Though, of course, those perform well as well through November and December. Campaigns that seemed more genuine, more personal, more heartfelt. So campaigns from the brand kind of sent midweek during that BFCM time period that all retention marketers, I think, like thrive in. I found that those generally outperformed in terms of opens, clicks, and conversion rate or revenue per per recipient. Something about that one-to-one relationship again and feeling really personal, I think. And then, of course, there's also the, the difference in format in the inbox. That's kind of surprising. It's a nice pattern breaker. And that's a, a really nice tactic that I like to pull out during special times. Definitely not something to overuse um, unless of that's course. the brand's identity. But for for a brand where people expect to see one thing, when we're able to send them something else that they then really engage with, we've seen a lot of success there. Interesting. And follow up on that. So the, these these text-only emails, I mean, I, I know it's, it's, it's all the rage in the DDC community to send text-only emails and as opposed to beautifully designed ones. I, I think both of them work, as, as you have rightly said. So uh, these particular emails, right? I'm diving a little bit into the campaign. This particular emails were sent to people who have purchased before or who have engaged before. What, what was the tactic there? Mm-hmm. Um, so these were sent to people who had engaged with the, the brand's email platform specifically or been on the site recently. So even if someone wasn't particularly engaged with email, but had been, we could tell, you know, on site or looking at what was kind of the seasonal sale page, we wanted to make sure to include them as well. And then folks who have really engaged with email either recently for deliverability, of course, we want to always rely on those like really core consumers to make sure we're hitting the top of the inbox. And then people who had purchased around holiday from the last year as well or in past seasons. So I find that there are often uh, cohorts of people who purchase during you know, the holidays or back to school. So it makes sense to pull back from those folks as well. And we generally see pretty good repeat purchaser rates there too. That's, that's an interesting point because this, this cohort of people only purchase during holidays, as, as what he's saying. How do you extend that, right? I mean, the, I, I think that's, that's a thing a lot of DDC brands struggle with, especially young ones is you, you get a ton of sales during the holidays, you know, from November, within November and December, especially during the FCM, but that, that falls flat right after that week, right? Mm-hmm. So how, how, do you, how do you keep engaging them? How do you keep retaining them? And how, how do you keep, keep them come from, you know, to, to buy more from you? Yeah, 
that's that's an incredible question and i think you're right is so relevant for all d2c brands especially those who are really building their audience for the first time um, on these retention channels i know it's kind of my uh, core bread and butter but again i think not over messaging but really reaching people with what they want is critical also understanding who on your audience is gifting and who is buying for themselves oftentimes people purchasing during the holidays may be gifting right so giving them opportunities to see not only what they've purchased, which may make sense from a personalization standpoint, but to think about how to engage them with the brand on a wider uh, or across a wider range of collections or to get to know the brand more generally from a first time is also really important and helpful. So thinking through in December and January and into February in a campaign strategy specifically for SMS and email, how can you nurture people who not only purchase the thing they want and now you want to engage with them about that thing, but who purchased the thing that someone else wanted and now you want to engage them and hold on to them as well to show them what they may want or to help them get that content to the person who purchased for example so those are both really important things to think about in the holidays also some people will of course sign up for a sale and then not engage again um, that is a thing that happens unfortunately around the new year mm -hmm. for a lot of brands yeah but if your content is really strong if you're giving people other ways to engage as well if someone falls off the email list, but is still signed up for SMS, that's okay to me. If they prefer, if they like to text over email, that's totally fine. So some of those losses may also um, not necessarily be losses and your audience actually just wants to engage with you where they prefer to be. So as long as they have opportunities to do that as well, it's another healthy way to think about that list change that will happen in the beginning of a new year. It's 2023. It should be easy to work with creators by now. Yet most of us are still stuck in spreadsheets, scouring databases, and still paying for inauthentic content. That's where Bounty comes in. Bounty is a Shopify app that puts TikTok, UGC, and partnerships on autopilot for your brand. Yeah. Incentivize your customers to share videos on TikTok after they purchase. Those who get paid on a CPM basis, all content is automatically saved in the app where you can manage usage rights and spark codes in just a few clicks. To start automating UGC and creator marketing for your store, simply visit bounty.co to book a demo. That's bounty.co to book your demo today. Okay, okay, that's a, that's a lot to pick on, but I will pick on <laughs> one, one point, right? And that, that gives me a segue into cross-channel you know, cross retention which is Absolutely. From, from email to SMS to a loyalty program, going back to review this whole ecosystem, right? So let, let's talk about email and SMS because they kind of go hand in hand. SMS is more, you know, in the moment, email is like, okay, you take your time, right? So how, you know, especially how, how, how is the relation between email and SMS uh, or how should DTC brands think about the relation between email and SMS? Uh, I find the two to be partners really more than anything. So those some messaging may happen across both channels. For example, a huge launch we're really excited about or a huge brand announcement will happen on both. I find them to be partners more than mirrors of each other. So some channels or some brands I find will send an email campaign in an SMS campaign of really the same content the same day or a day or two after. And though that may be totally fine and working, there's also a lot of opportunity to add nuance there. The kind of copy we use, for example, in SMS is different than what works in email. It's shorter, it's friendlier, it's more casual. The kinds of links that we can include in SMS, right? We really only have one big link opportunity. So the CTA has to be 
very clear and very worth it. Whereas an email, we can provide a variety of things that someone may be interested in. So the two channels um, are kind of in, a, in terms of a content strategy are a great way to really get more bang for your buck. You can send twice as many pieces of information depending on what people on those channels prefer to engage with. In terms of cross-populating those channels, which is also very important to retention, because again, folks may drop off or one of the other, but as long as they're seeing those, those updates somewhere, you're still, they're still retained within your community. So including things like an SMS opt-in in every email, especially your initial flows or post purchases is critical. I see just constant traffic coming from those um, and find that really valuable. Also making sure that there are easy opt-ins on the site. I think that's something that's often overlooked for both email and SMS list growth. Opt-ins and all kinds of cool cross-channel things like adding a, uh, a quick subscription link with uh, an Instagram story, for example, or even a, a TikTok link tree, for example, are all to keep growing that list, even from other sources. Uh, and similarly, for things like new launches, offering first access via SMS or sending things out with a different cadence for SMS is a great way to let folks know that there's kind of a VIP community happening. Um, and that if they're engaged in, in both chances, they'll always be the first to know about what's going on. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, that's amazing. Cross-population, you know, the two channels going hand in hand. I, I want to talk, to talk to you about a little bit about the messaging on email and SMS, right? What are the key differences between that? And I, I know that a lot of brands just, you know, to save time and resources and honestly can't blame them. Just copy paste the same things and I have one CD and do that. What are the key points of differences that an email and SMS, the messaging should have in your opinion, in terms of retention? Yeah, absolutely. SMSs, I to think of as a text from a friend, almost more than an email, which does feel like a little bit more formal. Similarly, you have a lot more room in an email. It's it's a bigger piece of content. So if you have a longer story to tell or a longer description that you want to include of something, email is a great place for that. SMS, the longer that message is, the less likely someone is to read. There's also kind of unique formatting options in SMS. You can have keyword replies. You can use emojis, I think, more actively than, than I recommend in email. Um, and so the copy can also look a little bit more playful. It can include these different kinds of engagement that email doesn't have. Um, and then again, CTAs, I would say, are a main difference. So in a text, you really have that one link and you want to really think very critically about what that click action should be either from a data gathering perspective or ideally, of course, a, a revenue perspective a lot of times. Um, whereas in an email, maybe we can include an artist story as well as a link to the product page or the collection page, because again, it's just a longer medium. So thinking of which message makes sense for which channel often just has to do with placement style, or again, what that content is that we want to share. But as you mentioned too, I find SMS to be more immediate. So we've got something that's super timely or something that we want to be the first for a specific VIP group to know or people who have signed up for first access. SMS is a great way to do that because it is more immediate and people tend to check those quicker than they do emails. Makes makes a ton of sense. Makes a ton of sense. Okay, let's let's switch a little bit of switch the gear off SMS and email and move to loyalty. How do you think about loyalty for a DBC brand? What are the things uh, a brand should be doing to ensure that it's, you know, they have a loyal audience, not an engaged mm -hmm. audience, but a loyal audience, like brand advocates as opposed to just, hey, I, I know your brand. But being like, for instance, I rep Shopify all the time. Like we 
I mean, I, I love that brand. Uh, they're quirky, they're fun, and I, I keep recommending them everywhere. So how do you how do you create that loyal audience through through retention on marketing? Another incredible question. I think a mix of it is having people feel seen as well. So things like those those two-way texts actually just mentioned, keywords are a great way to do that, or reply back emails, responding back to people's comments, responding back to people's emails or texts. Those are all ways to make people feel very seen and heard and engaged with more than just shouting into the void at this big brand, but really feeling like they know us. I find that those touch points do definitely drive loyalty and, and make people advocates and excited to, to share about us, which we love to see. Of course, that happens on social media, which is really fun. And our brand team manages on retention. I I'm so sorry. Dad. I'm going to close. So sorry for the barks back here. They have a lot to say. <laughs> okay, no problem. But yeah, I think loyalty bottles down to having your your loyal audience feel heard and seen. And also thinking of what kind of perks or what loyalty means to them. For a lot of brands, that's percents off or dollars off or free shipping, which of course always will work well. But for brands who are not so discount driven or who want to move away from that, there are opportunities for access to the brand first knowledge to information, potentially information about things like IRL pop-ups or like where to find us in person, more of those one-to-one communications. There are other things that feel very valuable and I think are more personal than just a earn 10% or $5 off, which again are really functional. We are not, don't have the longevity of something that's a little bit more personal or unique. Okay, okay, makes sense. Do you use uh, some kind of, uh, let's say, you know, a tool like, you know, Smile or Stamp.io or Yotpo, for, for instance, to generate those loyalty points and give benefits? Definitely. I'm not using one. I definitely have passed. I think I've gotten to to try kind of all of the big ones and, and definitely really enjoyed working with those. Right now, I'm not, though that is something that's potentially on the roadmap for this year. That is, uh, that is amazing. Okay, cool. That's a, that's a lot of awesome strategies. What are the metrics do you do you measure in retention and why are they important? Oof, there are a whole ton and I would say a couple of things that I really come back to. The metrics that I find myself coming back to day over day and month over month and, and now year over year as well are often things like repeat customer rate, which are which is I think okay. a, a pretty clear has a clear line to retention tactics. Also, average order value, the average number of orders per customer, not only customer, but those on our email and SMS list, I find to be really valuable to get an understanding of, yes, people may be engaged, but are they returning to purchase as well? And, and with what frequency? That's something that I, I find a lot of value in calculating. And then, of course, tracking your channel health. So email and SMS engagement, unsubscribe rates, things like that on a daily basis are important to make sure that no deliverability issues have happened or no flows have suddenly stopped or anything like that as well. We can always catch those kinds of things quickly. But for a long, longer period of time to really define success in a retention strategy, I find that repeat customer rate and that average orders per audience member, essentially, um, is a really valuable way to see growth over time. Okay, yeah. Repeat customer rate, average order per customer. Yeah, I think those are the two key metrics, even I, I agree with you. One, a couple of more that I keep see coming up are one is NPS and the second is CSAT. What's your opinion on that and uh, how should brands think about those two metrics? Yeah, 
I also am hearing more and more people using both of those terms, even outside of, of D2C as well, and kind of farther beyond. And I would say our CX team really leads the charge there with, with those two guys and use those as well as North Stars. So I work often with our CX team because I think customer experience and retention go hand in hand, but they definitely lead the charge more and really maintaining those metrics over time. But I agree that those are similarly North Stars because if your customers are having a positive experience in their interactions and, um, you know, are, are receiving any support they need. That's something that absolutely boils over into retention as well, um, as well as just general customer sentiment, which I think is, of course, critical to having people want to come back and participate as part of a community, not a one-time purchase. Okay, so uh, let me reframe that question a little bit. Do you send uh, CSAP okay. surveys as part of retention marketing? I personally do not, but our team does. Okay. Okay. And like, how often or what's the frequency do you do that? And why is that mm -hmm. frequency? I don't have the answer off the top of my head for that one. I have okay. to check in with our CX team. I'm so sorry, Deb. No problem. No problem with that. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, the one of the reasons I started this podcast was because retention is an afterthought for a lot of brands, right? Because they just want to go and acquire more customers, which makes sense because it's revenue first and a lot of them are bootstrapped. They don't have funding and all that. But, you know, mm -hmm. retention, like eventually you hit a ceiling. So you you have to capitalize on your existing customer base. I mm -hmm. what what are the what are the mistakes that you see the DVC brands make if when they're starting retention, during retention, generally mm -hmm. in retention? Definitely, definitely. I often see that folks focus on or uh, quantity over quality over content. So sending an email every day will work for a little while, but it won't work for a long term. And it doesn't have, excuse me, the longevity that we want to see out of repeat customers. I would say it's bad for retention. So I do see that often happen where folks may get overzealous or excited by seeing results for a short period of time. But tapping out a list is a really quick way to burn through it. And growing a list is time consuming or difficult or takes time, right? It takes quite a bit of, of traffic and interest as well. So making sure to keep that list healthy is important uh, and sending too frequently is a quick way to, to change that. I also find that over-promoting is something that's really easy to do again, because it's a quick way to see results on retention channels. So lots of discounts or lots of sales, which again, will absolutely work. Revenue is the top, top focus, but over a period of time, it's a quick way to burn through that list, which again is more difficult to acquire than to retain. So I would say those are my like danger zone areas that I tend to see brands lean into, especially if they're jumping into these channels and are excited to get started. I, I agree. You should you should respect the person's inbox, no matter if it's an <laughs> yes. SMS or email. Yeah. That's that's amazing. 2023 uh, is the year of retention or as as I like to call it, the year of retention podcast. <laughs> What's uh <laughs> What are, the, uh, what are the, let's say, top two or three advice you'd give to brands to, you know, uh, focus in retention? I could give you a ton, but definitely have a couple off the top of my head that I think Please are, do. are most important. And I would say that thinking about what you want these channels to be and how you want people to engage with them from a thousand mile view is really important before we start to dive into the kind of weeds or into the strategy and the tactical parts of retention. That's, I think, one of the most important and easiest ways to make sure that your strategy is cohesive, it makes sense from the customer, that they're receiving messaging that feels 
sequential and they're not just getting things that are, are out of place or out of order because we're, again, excited to tell them things that maybe don't make sense from the customer side. So thinking about it from uh, a thousand yard view is a quick way to make sure everything is cohesive. And then a little bit more tactically, I would say really understanding your customer's repeat purchase behavior. And this is your existing repeat purchasers, understanding why people come back, what makes them come back, what they do after that is important, of course, to be able to replicate. And then understanding your non-repeat purchasers behavior, what's preventing people from coming back, where are you losing them, or where are they losing interest, or where are they falling off, or what questions are unanswered. Often it's just a questions unanswered, right? Or there's uh, a, a touch point that we could have sent but didn't, for example. And so really understanding why people come back and why they don't, so that you can then put those two things together to, you know, continue your VIPs coming back and growing and adding more people to that all the time by answering those questions or, or hitting those touch points where they're falling off in engagement. Similarly, I would say number two would be to make sure you're clarifying your attribution methods. I find that especially across platforms, it's really easy to get muddy data, but understanding exactly what your North Stars are, be it revenue per recipient or conversion rate from email received or any of these really granular pieces of data that I think are important to have, understanding exactly where you're getting that from, what it means and what it means over time is really important. So ensuring that all of your platforms are either reporting in the same attribution window or that you have one general source of truth is really important um, because again, as we're looking from channel to channel, it's easy to overlook things that maybe are areas of improvement or areas for opportunity. And number three, this one I would say slightly, it's a tough one, but it's consistency. Um, making sure yeah. that your program or your cadence is something you can maintain is critical. It's important for your customer experience. It's also important for your deliverability, which is like a whole nother conversation that I think is, is so critical to retention and is much more technical, but I think cadence is a really easy way to make sure that the inbox providers, one, don't flag you as spam, but two, that people know kind of when to expect. If that's two times a month, that's totally fine. If a brand can do two emails a month consistently, that's more important than doing eight one month and none the next, which will look a lot more spammy and it's a, an inconsistent relationship with your customer, which is really what you don't want with your audience. So I think uh, signing up for a cadence that you keep is important absolutely i think consistency uh even with this podcast is very important <laughs> consistency, uh, <laughs> consistency it's an underrated tactic for any kind of thing right you know yeah Th thanks for highlighting that i just have one more question and it's like a very basic yeah. a lot of people told me that please ask this question from you know bigger brands <laughs> which is what's your tech stack for attention yeah i'm happy to answer that because i have also asked that question many times so I'm a Klaviyo stan, love them. I think it's a fantastic tool. Love Klaviyo for email, for automations and campaigns. Um, we're currently working on Atena for all things SMS, which is also a fantastic platform. There are so many wonderful ones out there though. I don't know that there's there's wrong answer. There's quite a few, but Atena is of course lovely. Um, also doing opt-ins through them. And Gorgeous is another one that I am in less than our CX team, but I think is really important again for rating reading sentiment and reading those responses to sms and email that's where all of that lives in and like i said i'm a big notion fan as well so for organization for content calendar for my content inspiration gallery for tables upon tables and links of all my google sheets um, i love notion that's that's amazing uh flavio attentive uh gorgeous and notion 
Notion is the odd one out, of course, but Notion. I know. <laughs> not a retention platform, but it definitely keeps it's not a retention nice. platform. I, 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 think, <laughs> I, I think it's an everything platform, honestly speaking. You use this how you use it. All right. Awesome. That's, that, was, that was a lot of things you said, a lot of points to pick out. Definitely not. I cannot be done in one episode, but I hope we covered a lot for our viewers and listeners. Right. I hope so. So, I mean, thank you for being on the show. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. Again, just saying big, big baboon fan here. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. And thanks for having me. Appreciate it very much. And of course, I'll always wrap anyone who's curious or is, you know, wanting to, I'm talking about color so much, but anyone wants to see them. Our handles are bad into the moon on all socials. And I'm also active on LinkedIn, Twitter, yeah. etc. So always happy to answer any retention questions. I like love talking about it. Absolutely. Could you uh, tell the audience your Twitter handle, please? Absolutely. Uh, you can find me at La Carolinex, which is L-A-C-A-R-O-L-I-N-X from my, my name, Carolina. And yeah, again, I'm thrilled to talk all things email, SMS, loyalty, and beyond. I think marketing is, is getting more and more artsy and interesting, and I want to talk yeah. about it, so... Yep. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. I, I am sure there are tons of people who are waiting to you know connect with you on that. Carolina, uh, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And that's a wrap. Fabulous. Thank you. It's 2023. It should be easy to work with creators by now, isn't it? Yet most of us are still stuck in spreadsheets, covering databases and paying for inauthentic content from creators who don't really care about your products. Do they? That's where Bounty comes in. Bounty is a Shopify app that puts TikTok, UGC, and partnerships on autopilot for your store. Bounty works by incentivizing your customers to share videos on TikTok after they purchase. Users get paid on a CPM basis and all content is automatically saved in the app where you can manage usage rights and spark codes in just a few clicks. Bounty also supports gifting with automated auto creation and with invite flows and links it's easy to leverage Bounty's incentive structure for any creator you want to work with. When you're ready to start automating UGC and creator marketing for your store, just visit Bounty.co for a demo. Once again, that's Bounty.co to book your demo. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Retention Road. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on YouTube or leave us a rating review on Apple and Spotify. Thanks again to our sponsor, Bounty, for supporting the show.